Second John, we'll begin to read in verse number one this morning. I want to speak to for a few moments on this subject, truth for training, truth for training. Second John, we'll begin to read in verse one. Won't you stand this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in second John, begin to read in verse number one. The Bible says the elder to the, to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all those who have known the truth because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares... And his evil deeds, having many things to write to you, I did, did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we ask your spirit would speak to hearts and lives today. God, I pray, challenge those who've never been saved, convict them of their lostness. God, I pray they'll choose to turn and receive Christ as Lord of their life. God, I pray for those who are out of fellowship with you today. They've been saved, but they're out of fellowship because of either sins of commission or omission. Father, we pray they'll deal with that today, and they'll turn from it. They might leave in the right relationship. God, I really pray you'll speak to parents and grandparents today uh, concerning 
Uh, what you're going to hold us accountable for, how we train children in the way that they should go and the positive effect it can have. God, if it's done right, but the negative effect, if it's done wrong. Remind our church of, of the purpose of discipleship. Praise will come to a time of invitation, God. Whatever you're calling men and women to do, we'll respond to it, that your will would be done. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. <clears throat> Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. This is one of the more uh, misquoted and misrepresented verses in all of the Bible. Some claim it that, you know, really all I have to do is just expose my child to biblical training, teach them biblical training, and, man, it's just going to be like a train on a rail. Um, they're, gonna, they're just going to end up in a place of being a fully committed disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. And, friend, that's not, that's not the truth. Uh, you can train anybody to do the right thing, but they still have something that's called a personal will. And children are going to choose one day whether they respond to truth or whether they don't. The promise of the Scripture is this, you need to hear this. If you train a child in the way that they should go, no matter where they go, no matter what they do, that positive instruction will always be there in their life. It's going to be there. They're always going to remember what they were taught. But listen, there's always a negative truth, reflexive truth. If you train a child in the way that they shouldn't go, the things that they shouldn't say, and the way that they shouldn't live. And for us here in the South, that's just learn to be a good hypocrite. You know, there's a good Baptist, good Christian. There's also people that are trained to be a good hypocrites. And if that's the way you train children, then that training is always going to be there. No matter how much truth they're exposed to, they're always going to be fighting against what they saw you live out in front of them. And so we see the positive effect lived out in Luke chapter 15 in, in, the, in the parable of the prodigal son. A man had trained his children how they should go. We see that represented because he finds himself in a faraway country. All of his funds are now gone. He's spending on riotous living. And he comes to himself. He realizes, man, what am I doing? Look what I've come to. I'm here feeding hogs and I, what they're eating is better than what I've got. He says, I'll arise. I'll go back to my father's house. He understood that he could repent and he could go home at any time. And how symbolic that is in the life of a believer, what we can do. And so his father had trained him. And even though he hadn't lived right or done right, that positive training was there ever before him. And he was able to act on that. You know, part of the responsibility uh, in that training child, it, it, it rests upon the parent uh, to provide and to foster um, the right environment, but also the right training. And part of it on the child to receive and to respond. Um, we see that here this morning. I'm going to do my best with the help of the Holy Spirit to, to, to preach truth to you this morning. But if you don't have ears to hear and you don't have a will to respond, it really doesn't matter what I say. It really doesn't matter um, because you have to receive. And it's the same with children and grandchildren. You can do everything you desire, friend, to live it out and to teach them. But at the end of the day, they have to receive it and they have to respond to that, to that truth. So God has done his part. He sent Jesus Christ for us. Say amen. Jesus has done his part. He died on the cross and rose from the grave. Say amen.
but we have to do our part. The Holy Spirit will do his. He'll convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come, but we have to do our part and to respond to the word of God. So this is a threefold challenge today to parents and grandparents, but you say, well, I'm neither. Well, don't quit. Don't tune out. It's also to the church uh, for, for the ministry of discipleship, and it's also to the individual. Well, what's the goal in training, biblical training? It's to build a fully developed disciple. And you need to know, according to the Apostle Paul, we never get there. We, we're never fully developed until we step into the presence of Christ. And so training and growth never changes. But that's the goal, is for us to build healthy, full-grown disciples that look like Jesus Christ. Well, it bears out then, what are the steps that make that available? Well, step number one is salvation, and that's our first point this morning. That's the first step in training is salvation. Look at verse number one. The Bible says the elder, he's, John's speaking of himself, he says, to the elect lady and her children. That elect lady means chosen, and that's a word that is so misrepresented uh, in the church today. Calvinists love to run with that and say, aha, see, see right there, uh, God chose who would be saved and who would not be saved. Well, you're half right. He did choose who would be saved. The Bible says it's God's will that all be saved, that none should perish. So you're exactly right. He chose everybody to be saved. When Jesus died on the cross, friend, he didn't die for what the Calvinists say or just the chosen or the elect. He died for all people because all have sinned. And Christ came. That was one of the messages of Christmas. He will save his people from their sins. Well, who has sinned? All people. So all people stand in need. And 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Not willing. That means it's his will that nobody would die and go to hell, but everybody would turn and receive Jesus Christ. And so God made a way for that to happen, but man has to respond. God loves you. He wants you. The question is this, friend. Will you receive him? Uh, he came into his own, and his own received him not. We're, we're entering into Christmas season, and some of you, it's, it's not Black Friday, it's Black and Blue Friday. Some of you are still healing up from some of the sales that you went to on Friday. And if there's anything good that come, good could come out of the Internet, it's, man, you don't have to go out in those places anymore. You can just hit add to cart, PayPal, and you're out the door, man, right then. Uh, so you don't have to deal with all that. But we're entering into the, everybody's trying to find the perfect gift. And this is a great illustration. We use it all the time here at big events, but it, you could use it in your own personal evangelistic missions every day. Friend, God sent us a gift in Jesus Christ. Romans 6.23 says, The wage of sin is death, but the what of God? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If something's really a gift and it's given to me, I can't, I can't pay for it. If I pay for it, then I purchased it myself. But if it's really a gift, somebody else paid for it and they offer it to me. If it's really a gift, I don't have to receive it. I've got a choice. I can receive or reject. And my friend, it's the same with salvation. God's not going to choke you down and irresistibly make you get saved. You're going to choose to respond to the love of God or you're going to reject it. But for those who are saved, friend, we respond to Jesus Christ. And when we do that... Look at verse number two. The, the truth of God begins to abide and remain in us. 
you respond to the light of the gospel, then God gives you more light. You respond to that light, God gives you more light. Well, what is that light? It's truth. Because the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. That's the gospel. So they received it. Well, how did they get that truth? The same way that you and I did. Now, give you just a little background here. I should have done that in the beginning. And I was getting to it. But John has run into some children, some older children. And he begins to take notice of them. They begin to stand out as just different. And everybody in this church, whether they like to admit it or not, knows it's the truth. There are just some people in the life of the local church, they stand out. Now, some people stand out in a negative way sometimes. But some people think God stand out in a positive way sometimes. They're just different. They're, they're like, you know, your granddaddy's mule. You can't hook them up wrong. It doesn't matter what you hook them up to, friend, they can plow. They never murmur, they never complain, they never gripe. There's no, praise God, drama ever attached to them. They just, man, they just, they just go through the life of the church. They're, they're concerned about souls. They want to do their part. They just stand out. I feel like I'm alone. Does anybody know people that I'm talking about? They just stand. Well, that's what these children, John says, man, there's something about them. So he got to know them and began to discover their story and to found out, man, they had a mama that really loved the Lord. And see, friend, disciples don't just happen. They're built. Somebody's always behind somebody that is fervently serving Christ. They could have come from a dysfunctional background and family, but somebody loved them enough to share the gospel. Faith comes by hearing Hearing by the word of God, how shall they hear without? Somebody's got to tell them. And some, somebody told, somebody invested. And for these kids that John notices, it was a godly mother. And so he begins to write them her, a letter to commend her for that, but to talk about the training and the things that are, that are going on with that and the salvation that these kids have. And he reminds them that they got it just like he did. Look at verse number three. Through grace and mercy. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace have you been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. He says it's, it's a gift that you received. It's by God's grace and by God's mercy. It's gra- grace is getting something that you don't deserve. That's God's unmerited favor. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And in this entitled day in which we're living, everybody's saying, well, I, I want what's mine. Well, friend, you better not ever tell God that because hell's where you'll find yourself. That's what all of us deserve, and it's by his mercy, friend, he doesn't give us that. Grace, mercy, and then once we come to know Christ, then peace. So many people are looking for peace today. Peace in the pill, peace in the bottle. Peace in community and peace in friendships and peace in relationships and peace in this. Friend, the only way you'll ever find spiritual peace is in Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's the only way you'll find it. A life fully surrendered to His Lordship. And listen, it's something personally that has to be experienced. You can't just expose kids to it, friend. You have to live it out in front of them and then they have to personally Receive. And I think there's a lot of parents thinking if they just expose, expose their kids to spiritual things, you know, that somehow it's just going to rub off them. Do y'all remember chicken pox parties years ago? 
I'm old enough, man. I mean, my mother took me down to somebody's house that had chicken pox, so I'd get them. Y'all, any y'all have that ever happened to you? You know, you suppose, well, some of you just didn't have good parents, I guess, like I did. But that's what, that's what mine did. And so I ended up getting chicken pox. That was a thing to do years ago. Somebody had chicken pox, you took a kid over to get, and a lot of people think that's, that's the way it happens spiritually. You know, if I just, and, hear, and you hear it in people's statements. Kids that aren't living for the Lord. Well, Brother Chad, our kids weren't raised that way. We raised them in church. Well, friend, I can get you by the collar and drag you through a garden, but that's not going to make you a vegetable. It's just going to make you dirty. And just because you drag a kid through a church for 18 years doesn't make them saved. You certainly need to live out those truths in front of them. But, but there's, a, there's a responsibility upon their part to respond to truth and to receive Christ to be Lord of their lives. And so we have to do more than just expose kids to truth. You certainly need to do that at home in the church. But you've got to live it out. And it, you also, friend, there's the ministry of prayer to be constantly praying for your kids and grandkids, for the things that really matter. And I again just stand amazed and in awe at the things that parents and grandparents will put first place to, to want to see their kids and grandkids achieve. And I wouldn't even dare go down the list today to even go with them. But I'm just telling you, friends, first and foremost ought to be that they're saved. That they come to know Christ as Savior. And listen to me, and anything else that I would be involved in that could keep them from being saved, or to keep them in the future from being committed to Christ has no place in their life whatsoever. Why? Because my primary goal as a parent is to see that my child comes to know Jesus Christ, then becomes a disciple of Christ, discovers God's will, and then it's my goal, friend, not to try to choke them down or turn them in the direction, but to help blow wind into their sails wherever the will of God's going to carry them for the rest of their life. And so, but that, but that begins with by praying that they come to know Christ, sharing the gospel liberally, literally, and at all times at home. I mean, kids ought to know what it takes to be saved because they hear it from my lips and from grandparents' lips. And they ought to know from you, you oughtn't to die one day and then somebody come to your son or daughter or grandchild and say, well, now tell me, tell me when Mama and Papa got saved. I really don't know. I just don't know. I mean, I know they are, but I don't know. Your kids and grandkids, your children, they all know your personal testimony. They all know how you came to Christ and when you came to Christ because they hear it so often from you. And then you live out the gospel. And there's constant invitations as the Spirit leads to invite your children to come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. But at the end of it all, you listen to me. Everybody's going to have a choice. Everybody's going to have a choice. You're going to choose whether you're going to respond to truth or you're going to reject truth. So when it comes to training, that first step to salvation. Second is growth. They continue to grow. Listen, uh, you know, we're, we're blessed to have uh, a baby in our church and baby on the way. And I remember those first little well checks you go in and you were just talking, how much do you think, they, how much do you think they've gained? Well, listen. If it's one or two years into checkups and baby hasn't grown a bit, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Those motor skills haven't developed. 
something's wrong. And we're, we're, we've got some serious problems. So, friend, I want to tell you something. Five, 10, 15 years into someone's spiritual life, and they haven't grown much since the day that they were saved, something's wrong. It's God's desire that disciples grow. Get off the milk of the word and get on to the meat of the word. That's God's desire. Look at verse number four. He says, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth. Not crawling in truth, not sitting in high chairs, getting spoon-fed in the nursery department, but they're living out truth. They're, they're living out the Word of God that you sowed into their life. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's how salvation comes to be, because somebody shares the gospel, but you listen to me. Spiritual growth comes the same way. Disciples are built not with books. You say, well, we're going to have a discipleship class. And so, well, who wrote the book? That's what you always hear. Well, who's the author? Friend, I want to remind you, the greatest discipleship book isn't six weeks long, 12 weeks long. The greatest discipleship book is many, many years old, and God wrote it himself. It's the book that's laying in your lap today. It's the Word of God. And I promise you, I kid you not, I've been in this long enough. Know, they've said, well, we really don't have a discipleship book. Well, I'm out. I'm out. People want a book, you know, if Dr. Bottlestopper or Sister Sally, you know, that's got the, the, the cult following and, and, and has all the, the internet ladies' ministry get-togethers and she's going to do her stuff. Well, man, then we want to tune in for that. Why don't you tune in to the Word of God? Because if all those other discipleship books, friend, aren't grounded on the Word of God, it's man's opinion. What grows disciples is not opinion and religious nonsense. It's the Word of God. Look what he says in verse number 4. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth. What is it? It's the Bible in shoe leather. It's what James is speaking of in James 1. Not being just a hearer of the Word, but a doer. And that's what the world's looking for. They're looking for Christians who actually live out truth. Not are just associated with it and have a symbol on the back of their car or pull out their Christian card when it's convenient, but at all times and always they live out spiritual truth. They're, they're walking in, and it comes by receiving it. It's taught, and so this lady sat down and only taught her kids how to be saved, but once they were saved, she kept teaching them the Word of God. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. That's the Great Commission. Teaching them to observe how many things? All things whatsoever I commanded you. That's the word that everybody leaves out with the Great Commission. Teaching them to observe things. Well, yeah, we like that. No, all things. And sometimes that's their inconvenient truths for people. But if I really want to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, I know I can't do that without all of God's Word. So that just didn't happen to them. They just didn't know these things. They were taught these things, but then they obeyed them. And this is the process. that You, you receive truth. Look at verse number four again. I, I rejoice greatly that I found some of your children walking in truth as we, what's the word? Received commandment from the Father. So it's like a catcher that's behind home plate. He's got his glove up. You know, he's not just trying to shield his eyes from the sun. 
He's waiting on somebody to throw him something. And so that's how we're to approach the Word of God when we're before it. Privately every morning in our own quiet times, Bible study classes, here, Wednesday night, whenever. But we have a heart that wants to receive truth. And so it began with the reason they're leaving it out, living it out is they, they received commandment from the Word of God. That's the source, from the Father. So that's the source of those things. But then something takes place in their life spiritually. It's the first, it's, it's the first fruit of the Spirit, the book of Galatians teaches. It's, it's love. They began to love God. They began to love each other. Luke 10, 27, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength as we have received commandment from the Father. And so because they loved God, they received truth, they began to obey God fully. Look at verses 5 through 6. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. And so their growth was a, was a combined result of truth they had received, but also truth that was obeyed. Doesn't do you any good. Hell's going to be full of people that had the gospel right here. Look at me. They had it right here, but they never received it right here. They never turned from sin and trusted Christ to be Lord of their life. And there's so many disciples who have broken lives, They've never fully accomplished all that God wants them to do because they've got the Word of God here, but they've never lived it out here and in here and in their feet. They've never obeyed. Truth, truth received, but truth obeyed. And it's bound up by love for God and for these kids, love for mother. They wanted to honor their mother. She's invested us, this in us. We represent them. Friend, I knew that as a boy when I went out I wasn't just representing me. I was representing my family. And friend, I learned spiritually as I grew in Christ. When I speak, I represent my heavenly Father. You say, well, you're a pastor. It has nothing to do with me being a pastor. I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. If you've been saved, say amen. And so are you. So are you. Everywhere you go, everything you do, Everything you say, and can I remind you, more people speak with their thumbs today than they do with their mouths. You are always an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You represent Him. And so they cared about their mother. And it wasn't, you know, they were, well, well we're going to go to church because of mother. No, they loved God first, and they respected their mother, the the. the, the spiritual training that she invested in their lives. They didn't want to disappoint her. So they loved her. And then that grew into that they loved each other. Well, How did that come to be? How could a selfish, self-focused sinner, and that's what all lost people are, selfish and self-focused. We're born that way. You know, listen, you don't have to teach a kid how to lie. They're born liars. You don't have to teach a kid how to be selfish. They're born that way. That's their favorite word when they're little. Not mommy or daddy, but what? Mine. Mine, mine. That's mine. Well, how does a person go from that to where they don't even have those priorities anymore? Is Jesus first, others second, and me last? How do they come to that place? It's through the gospel. 
It's through spiritual growth, obeying the Word of God, and God begins to develop in them love. We choose to love Him, but He begins to develop love in us for other people. And so there's spiritual growth. The third step is defending. You have to constantly be on guard. You know, I'm, I'm accused all the time of being over the top about security. You know, I don't, whatever, I don't really care. But when it comes to spiritual things, friend, you can't be on guard enough. Call it paranoid, I don't care. I'd rather be a victim than a casualty any day. And I'm telling you, you better be on guard spiritually because you have an enemy, Ephesians 6 says. He is smarter than you. He is stronger than you. And you listen to me. This may hurt you, but it's truth. He's more committed to victory than you are. He's more committed to victory than you are. And it's the devil. And so you have to be constantly on guard against him. Look at verse number 5. He says, I now plead with you, lady. And he's trying to get her attention. He says, you've got some good kids. They're growing. But you need to make sure you yourself, but you also instill in them that you need to constantly be on defense. The Apostle Paul wrote the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Let him that stand take heed lest he fall. That means just because I haven't fallen in some sin today doesn't mean that I'm not susceptible to it. Friend, if there was any person who's ever lived who should not have succumbed to the sin of adultery, it was David, a man after God's own heart. But yet one day he wasn't where he was supposed to be when the time when kings go to war. He was at home at 5 o'clock in the afternoon laying in bed. He looked, and then he looked again. The Bible doesn't say, friend, that it, it seems that it was willing. The Bible says he took her. She was taken, and then he sinned. Friend, if David can, so can you, and so can I. You say, not me. You're already there. You're already there. You're already full of pride. Well, that'll never happen to me, you fool. You're full of pride. Don't sit and boast of what you can do. You don't boast about tomorrow. The power of tomorrow is not in your hands. Your life isn't in your hands. Friend, anything we do, we can only do, Philippians 4, 13, through Christ who strengthens us. And so we have to constantly be on guard. So John says, your kids are growing. They're on the right path, he says, but you better be on the lookout. He says, because mama, as sure as you're committed to seeing them grow, the devil's more committed to seeing them fall. Friend, that translates into our own lives. I have to be constantly on guard. There's a devil that wants me to fall. There's a devil that wants my wife to fall, my kids to fall, my family to fail, and wants our church to fail. And so he says in verse number 5, you, you have to love one another. You have to continue to choose that. I plead with you, lady, not as I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we've had from the beginning, that we love one another. And that's sacrificially. We, we put ourselves last. He says, don't become self-focused. you hear me? One of the greatest threats to your spiritual growth is what your focus is. If your focus, if you get, if you get an eye problem, you're going to have a problem that an optometrist or ophthalm, ophthalmologist, easy for me to say, they can't help you with. It's, it's an eye problem. I, me. I want this, I need this, I'm looking for this, I have to have this. I's not even in the vocabulary of a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
It's Jesus first, others second, you always last. And when that becomes out of order, friend, you're on your way to defeat. John tells us, you've got to be on guard. Self-focus takes our eyes off of Christ. And I've seen so many people drift out of the world. Listen, they don't have to go serve the world. It can happen in the life of the church. Well, I'm looking for this, or I'm mad about this. I'm upset over this. What does I have to do with anything? It's what does Christ want for my life? It's what, what is Christ's will for me? What is God's will for my family? What is God's will for my children? The last free will decision I ever made about me was to trust Christ and I never make another one again. After that, I simply followed Jesus Christ sacrificially every day. When you get this eye problem, it makes you susceptible to false doctrine about Jesus. And friend, listen, that is what the Apostle Paul is writing about in 2 Timothy chapter 4. The itching ear falling away doctrine. Now in John's day, it was Antichrist that were coming in and saying, you know, Jesus Christ really didn't come in the flesh. And people were confused about that. Well again, friend, you can't swing a dead cat here in the south and not hit somebody that doesn't believe that Jesus is God's son and he really existed. Lost or saved. Everybody that's born here, that's our national southern religion. So people are going to believe that. The question is whether they ever received Christ to be Lord of their life. And so the great doctrine that's tearing churches apart, the great falling away, stay with me, you need to hear this. The great falling away in the day in which we live isn't some crazy doctrine, it's this. It's selfship over lordship. You matter. You follow your heart. You need this. You need to find that. Are you truly happy? No, that matters. You see, when listen to me. When Jesus is first and others are second and I'm obeying the word of God in all things, I'm going to have everything that I need from my heavenly Father that I'm following. Do you hear that? It may not be what you want. As a parent, it may not be what a friend wants me to have. But as a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ, and God does a few things well, God does all things well. Friend, listen, if I'm following God and my eyes are on the needs of others and I don't even have my eyes on me, I'm going to have everything that I need in my life and be exactly who I'm supposed to be in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense, or do I need to say it again? But see, the, the, the push of churches today is it's all about you. And so messages are given that way, classes are geared to that way. Self-improvement, self-help, self-love. Make me puke. Self is not any place, friend, in the life of a disciple. It's all about Jesus. It's all about others. And see... I don't have my eyes on me, and I don't have to, because guess what? If you love Jesus, guess who you're going to have your eyes on? Right here. You're going to love me. You're going to be helping meet my needs. Christ is going to be working through you. And that's the way that it's supposed to work. And the Bible says in verse number 7, many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. That was the doctrine of John's day. It's a doctrine about Christ that's that was contrary to Scripture. And this is what you need to know. Any doctrine about Christ that's contrary to Scripture, you don't need in your life. Nor should you be associated with. 
You, you don't need to have this attitude of, well, they just believe a little different. Friend, you're either in line with the Word of God or you're out of line with the Word of God. Give you a good story. You're either in kilter or you're out of kilter. You're lined up or you're not lined up. And so you can't hold hands. You're not just known by the doctrine that you keep, but friend, you're also known by the doctrine that you associate with. You have to be on guard because the devil's subtle. And you begin to give place that. If you have an attitude of, well, they just believe a little different, well, guess what? You've already opened your life up to some kind of false doctrine. You've already opened your life up to it. Look at what verse number 8 says. It says, look to yourselves that we do not lose the things that we work for, but that we, we may receive full reward. He says, don't, don't give in. Be mindful that through many subtle ways Satan seeks to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants you to lose your testimony. He wants you to lose your influence. He, he wants you to lose your family. And on the strong end, he, he wants you to lose your, your health and your spiritual health. He wants you to lose your whole life, friend. Thanks be to God you can't lose your salvation. But you hear me today, friend. It takes a long time to build a testimony. But you can lose it in a second, and you may not live long enough to ever get it back. And what determines that is how you respond to doctrine. How you respond to false truths that people are seeking to sow into your life. And it's really the devil that's doing that. Look at verse number 10. And John, you know, I know today, boy, John, he'd be labeled legalistic and hard-hearted. He says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. He says, anybody whose life isn't in line with the Word of God that says they're a disciple of Jesus Christ, don't give them the time of day. Because subtly Satan's going to try to worm his life way into your life. I didn't say that, friend. That's what the Bible says. But isn't that wise counsel? I mean, is that, is that not? Anything that Satan could use to try to harm your life, why would you even get near it? Why would you even give ear? Why would you confuse your children that possibly it might be okay? And that really brings out the question, what am I letting into my home? Not just on the world scene. Not just through television and movies, shows, things that I let my children watch and we, that I watch, that I say don't do, but I prove by watching it. But spiritually, what am I allowing into my home and into my life? Look what verse number 11 says. For he who greets him shares his evil deeds. If I acknowledge false doctrine, it gives the impression to all involved that it's okay. Well, you know, Brother Chad and his family, you know, they, they go on vacation. They're really good friends with these people that live like the world. Well, friend, listen. Our desire is always to win people to Christ, to influence people to Christ. But we're never to be influenced away from Christ. So you need to be careful, friend, who you hitch up with. Because it not only rubs off on you, but it gives the appearance to all people that you're trying to influence to Christ that maybe the way these other people live, it's okay. It's all right. It's no big problem. Some of you do it in your family this way. You've got a son or daughter that's shacked up out of wedlock, but you'll go on family vacation with them. You'll watch your son or daughter, your grandson or granddaughter, head off into a motel room with somebody they're, they're not even 
married with. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? How about stay home and don't go with them? That ever come into your mind? If you don't go with them, they'll put online, boy, having a great time in dirty Myrtle Beach. You know, and you'll put them there, love this. You love that your loved one shacked up with somebody for the weekend out of wedlock? You're telling them that it's okay by your approval. And you're influencing them away from Christ rather than to Christ. Well, I didn't expect it to get too loud there, but it's all true, not all the same, is it not? It's all true the same. You've, You've got to defend. If I acknowledge false doctrine, it gives the impression to all involved that it's okay. True growth in Christ is dependent upon truth received. If it's not truth, friend, it's going to be a false truth. And it's going to alter the disciple that you're trying to build. You have to be on guard. You have to stay alert. Number four, also involved in this, not only is there salvation, growth, not only is there defending, but it's also abiding. Look at verse number nine quickly. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. Uh, Again, 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, you need to understand this. John says, if we say as a disciple we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That is, if we ever say, well, I never sin. Well, the Bible says you're a liar. Because all disciples sin. Here's the question. Is it a sin of occurrence, of occasion, and then there's repentance? Or is it a present, continuous sin that's in your life? There's a difference. See, it's, it's the difference of... Someone knows they're supposed to have their quiet time that morning. The Holy Spirit's impressing upon them there to have that quiet time. But they say, oh, I'm too busy. I've got to get the trailer hooked up. I'm going fishing. And off they go, and they just ignore God. Well, they sinned against the Holy Spirit. And we're supposed to have a quiet time with God each day. We're supposed to pray and study our Bible. God leads you to witness to somebody. Holy Spirit's just pushing upon your heart. You need to share with this person. You say, well, I, I just can't. Well, You make God a liar because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you didn't do that. And the Holy Spirit immediately convicts you and you repent of that. Well, that's not a present continuous sin. It's a sin of occurrence. You repented of it. And thank God for verse number 9 of 1 John 1. that says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What John's talking about here, people who don't abide in a right relationship with Christ. They say they've been saved. They say they've been changed. But they have present continuous sin. Look back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Real quickly, it's probably about two pages to the left. Those of you that still have your Bibles open. He says in verse number 4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Now, that's a good definition of sin, but that word sin he's talking about is present continuous sin. That's the tense. And you know, verse 5, that he was manifested to take away our sins. That's the message of Christmas. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him, that remains in Jesus, to be at home in a right relationship with him, does not sin. Well, chapter 1 just said if we say we don't sin, we're a liar. Again, what's chapter 3 talking about? Present continuous sin. That means I wake up and sin, I go to bed and sin. 
I just have an ongoing sin in my life that I will not turn from. I will not repent of. I say it's there. I don't care what you say. I'm not going to turn from this. Well, the Bible continues to say something about that. It says, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins at his present continuous sin has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Don't let somebody tell you, well, I remember when you prayed. And son, we always took you to church. You know better. Just let no one deceive you. If the Holy Spirit's telling you you're lost, he who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Well, what's the reverse truth? He who sins, present continuous sin, they have sin in their life, they will not repent of. This is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For that purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not present continuous sin. For his seed remains in him. He cannot present continuous sin because he's been born of God. What's the Bible teaching plainly and succinctly? If you've been saved... You cannot continue on in present continuous sin because God's going to wear you out, friend. You're going to be so miserable, you're going to have to repent. You can't keep on that way. What's the reverse truth? It doesn't matter what someone has said with their lips, how many times they've been dunked in water and where they were dunked at. One of the indicators of whether someone's really been saved or not is if someone who continues on in present continuous sins of commission or sins of omission. I didn't say this. The Bible said this. They've never been saved. And John says, don't be deceived. That's the simple truth. And so John encourages this mother to encourage her children to abide in the Word. Whoever transgresses, Verse 9, 2 John, whoever transgresses and does not abide, present continues to abide, in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. That's what the Bible teaches. He says, so remain in Christ. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And so, friend, this is just, I, I can't speak for you, but I don't like complicated things. Complicated people... That's why drama drives me nuts. Complicated people make me want to pull what little hair I've got left out. Am I, am I alone in that? If you like simple, say amen. I like, friend, what a simple truth. Listen to this. Be- benefit comes through daily obedience to the Word of God. And this is it. If I simply obey the Word of God, there's nothing to repent of or to be restored to. Did you hear that? If I just simply obey the word of God, I'm never going to have any sin to repent of. And I'm not going to have to be restored to God. I'm going to remain in a right relationship with him at all times. How many of you, so we can pray for you, because you really have got something wrong with you, those of you that have been saved, you love, you know, how the Holy Spirit just makes you feel just so miserable, so convicted, and then after you do repent, the, the condemnation the devil comes around and tries to bring on you and makes you feel about that big and tries to bring... Do any of you just love that feeling? Just, no. You know how to avoid all that? Obey the Word of God at all times. Just abide. Just remain in a right relationship with the Lord. 
So what can I do, though? Because now free will's involved. So what can I do as a parent or grandparent or, or a spiritual parent for those who are going to have to make that choice? Number one, I can pray for them. Not praying they get into a good college. Not, not praying for their sports ability or their dance ability or that they, they get a scholarship. N- none of those things, friend, that aren't even going to matter in eternity. Number one, I, I pray for their spiritual life and soul and well-being at all times. That's foremost, folks. I pray for them. And then keep sowing the Word God into their lives. Keep, keep living out an, abide, an abiding life. Let them see what it looks like to abide in Christ. Friend, they don't have to look far to see somebody that's not abiding in Christ. But my goodness, be a shining light and a lighthouse that they can look to. And can I say look back to? Man, I thank God for godly grandparents that I can look back to and say, man, that's what a disciple of Christ looks like. And thank God for it. It wasn't just spoken, but it was lived. Well, Phil is saying this morning, could give a rip about man's approval, but only wanted to please Jesus Christ because they wanted him more than anything else. God helped me to be that kind of parent and spiritual parent in all things And also, outside of praying to keep sowing and living it out, I can also, number five, encourage. Constantly encouraging children, grandchildren, people that we're trying to disciple. Encourage them. Look at verse number 12, and I close. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with with paper and ink. He says, God, I wanted to come to you in purpose in person and tell you all this, but God had me to write it down. He says, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. First John chapter 1, verse 4, he said, these things I write to you that your joy may be full. He says, I want to encourage you. He says, stay on the straight and narrow. It's, it's the old S and N. And, and ride the T and O, trust and obey. Trust the Lord, obey His Word. Walk the straight and narrow. Just be a doer of God's Word. And friend, encourage people in that. There's some people, I think, they've got the spiritual gift of discouragement. Right? Well, that's, that's not a spiritual gift nor calling. But we can all be encouragers. We can just champion people and say, man, I'm praying for you. Stay in there. Keep walking. Don't quit. It's worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. I know the pressures you're going through. Listen, we're still trying to figure out how to be parents. We lost the manual that they came with when we first brought them home. You know, we, we don't know where it's at. But we've got this. But all I can tell you is this, friend. We tried to have real conversations with our kids because I, listen, I'm forgetting a lot of things, but I still remember when I was 16. I still remember when I was 14. I still remember the pressures. And can I just say, I still remember the dumb kid I was then. Because I didn't obey truth. And there are pitfalls that I fell into, I don't want my kids to fall into. And so I tried to have real, honest-to-goodness relationships and saying, don't do this. Stay away from that. Keep doing this. Make sure you keep doing this. It's got to be a pattern in your life. And that's encouragement. Friend, listen, you may not have any kids or grandkids, but you've all got people that you can be a spiritual parent to. Paul said Timothy was his son in the faith. We all have people that we can disciple 
and that we can encourage. Speak encouragement, but far more importantly, my friend, live out that encouragement. Be an example that someone can look to. Well, as we go to the invitation, a couple of questions asked more. For parents and grandparents, all right, wake up. Would you be honest with God this morning? If you can hear my voice, say amen. If you have a child or a grandchild in this world, I want you to raise your hand. All right, now I want you to ask yourself this question before God this morning. Am I truly training my child? Because listen, training doesn't stop. You may be 82, and they may be 61, but they're still your child. And you can still train. Am I truly training my child according to scriptural truth in all things? And am I teaching them the way that they should go? And if I still have a lot of responsibility over their life, am I defending in all ways against the enemy who wants to sow false doctrine into their lives? Or am I just leaving an open door for the enemy? Just an open door. Just come on in. Yeah, come on in. Do whatever, do whatever you like to them. And to everyone here, no matter whether you've got children or grandchildren, you know, have I responded to truth? Or if there's someone here that's never really received Christ to be Lord of your life. doesn't matter whether you've heard it. What matters more is you ever responded to the gospel. For those who have been saved, are you daily growing? Are you the same you were when you first got saved? Are you defending? Are you abiding? Are you encouraging other people? You see, the Apostle Paul said it best in Philippians 3, and we're going to go to prayer. The goal is to build fully developed disciples. All right, now listen to me. That's the goal. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Now, Paul was probably the greatest Christian to ever live. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected. Paul says, But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He says, brethren, I don't count myself to have, to have apprehended. He says, I haven't arrived. I'm not fully developed. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, positive or negative, he says, I reach forward to those things that are ahead, and I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I hope that's your prayer today. Just bow our heads and close our eyes. Now listen, if you've never been saved, you need to turn from sin and trust Christ. What you do with Jesus concerning lordship, friend, listen to me, determines where you're going to spend eternity. The most important decision you're ever going to make in your life is what you do with Jesus Christ. Has there ever really been a moment that you've turned from all your sin and you trusted Christ to be Lord of all of you. If there never has, do it right now. It's a gift God offers you through the body and blood of His Son if you'll only turn and you'll only trust Him today to be Lord of your life. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that you simply tell Him with your mouth what your heart is trusting. That's Christ to be Lord of you. You can tell Him in a simple prayer of faith where you sit just like this, but it has to be the true reflection of your heart. Pray just like this. Dear God, Forgive me of all my sin. I turn from it. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. 
I turn from all the sin that's in my life, all of it. I hold on to nothing. I turn from it. And I give myself to Jesus Christ, trusting him to be Lord over all of me. That's my prayer today. Did you pray that? Did you mean that with all your heart? In just a moment, I'm going to stand here at the front. If you, if you really prayed that minute, in just a few seconds, when they begin to sing, won't you step out into one of these aisles and make your way forward? And just simply say, I trusted Christ today. I want to encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. Parents and grandparents, be honest before God. Can you truly say you're training your children and grandchildren in the way that they should go in all things? And where you're not, if you're not, would you not forsake that today? And ask the Lord to help you redeem the time. Make the most of what time you have left on this earth to influence children and grandchildren. And listen, everybody can be a spiritual parent. Every Christian in this church should be discipling somebody in some way. And can I remind you of this? You are. To the positive or the negative, you are. Because if you're safe, people are watching you and they're going to mimic you. If there are things that are out of line with the Word of God and the will of God, won't you confess that and ask God to help you to maximize the opportunities you have as you train others to be fully developed disciples. Father, speak to your church today. Challenge us. God, I pray where our church family, our ministries, are not being most effective with the opportunities you give us as it comes to discipleship. Give us wisdom and discernment how to readjust to that. We want to make the most of the time that we have as a church family. But God, whatever your will is that you're speaking to men and women today, I pray it will be accomplished as we simply surrender to the call of the Holy Spirit. It's in his name we pray. Let's reverently stand to our feet.